Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? All you shining, happy faces. It's good to have you here. My name's Josh Weatherspoon, and I'm be leading, like all those bald guys look alike, don't we? I wonder if they could tell online who's actually here and who's speaking sometimes. But welcome everybody online as well. Hopefully uh, we have a good turnout there. My name is Andy Balthazer. I am a member of the teaching team here at The Way Church. Um, and I haven't spoke since, since November. Um, and if you remember, I was in my personal time going through Psalms, right? Psalms is one of those great books of the Bible that I think, you know, gets left out sometimes. Um, and I've just have been blessed quite a bit just with, you know, the, the things that Psalms talks about, which is God, right? So our first song was, you know, God is the great I am, right? Yahweh, you know, we, we don't hear his covenant name used that many times, but I've just found it, you know, reading back through Psalms, how every verse and every chapter just talks about God's greatness, his glory, his med- meditating on his name, praising his name, concentrating on his name. And that's going to be our focus today. Uh, I think we get caught up in the word God a lot, which God is really what he is, not who he is, right? It's, you know, his name is Yahweh. That's the name he gave us to call out to him in praise, in adoration, in intercession. So I think, you know, one of the, the things I remember most about the mission field uh, in Kenya, there was a pastor there uh, who prayed in the name of Yahweh each time. And it was some of the most powerful prayers I've ever heard in my life. So I encourage you to go back through Psalms. If you're looking for a book of the Bible to to go through, strongly encourage Psalms. And in those verses that mention LORD in all capitals, that's the the tetragagamon, that's the God's covenant name being used. So substitute Yahweh for the Lord. And and when you read those verses, I think the Holy Spirit will continue to guide you in that. So just just a best practice for you this morning. Y'all like best practices? Can Can we share those this morning? So Josh texted me this morning um, saying, hey, have fun preaching God's word to God's people. I was like, oh, yeah. He said, have fun. So I'm going to start with a British accent. Could I just preach with British accent? Is that? No. So he said, have fun. And, and, and that's what we'll do, right? So um, you know, we're talking a lot about you know, Galatians and by faith and, and just different things here. But you know, it's, it's all by faith, right? It's all about God and how he leads, directs, and guides our life, right? Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about a lot this morning, um, you know, eliminating distractions, not focusing ourselves, making sure the focus remain and is always on God and concentrate on Christ. So if you're a note taker, which I hope you are, you can title this sermon, Concentrate on Christ. And when you probably, why is he using the word concentrate? We'll get to that. So more to come on that. But like I said, you know, hopefully you're a note taker if you're not uh, we were working to get some of the talking points in the slide. We got the verses, so I'll, I'll talk through each point. But I wanted to really start off, because I know sometimes I'm like this, and, I wanna, and you, you might be like this as well. I wish somebody would just create a, a cheat sheet, like a reference guide. I know, you know for, for new believers, it's, it's important. Hey, where do I go in the Bible to find you know, something about Christ or about his eminence or you know, these things? And so I created a Christ-centered reference guide, because I, I thought Christ-centered cheat sheet didn't sound right. So I did reference guide. I, I hopefully y'all agree with me on that. So if you ever have been thinking about where in the Bible can I find information about Christ's preeminence and reconciliation through him, 
I know that's hard to read, so I'll read it for you. Read Colossians 1. These are some of my favorite Bible verses, and I often get joked on by my family that I have nothing but favorite Bible verses, and that's probably true. You know, a lot of them are favorite, but these are are my go-to Bible verses or or chapters. If you ever want to know about God's will, His his pure desire for us through Christ, read Ephesians 1, and we'll go more into these in detail. Or if you ever want to know and read more about what God accomplished through Christ, and just a great study of Christology is the whole book of Hebrews, really, but really Hebrews 1, because it talks about what he did, what he accomplished, how he is greater than the angels, and all the different things. So it's, it's important for us to you know, have these guys. So that was free of charge, no money needed to you know, give as you feel needed, right? So again, you know, we want to provide these kind of things and, and, and share about Christ, right? Because we want to concentrate on Christ. Uh, the most important thing that we can do, and I stole this from the kids' curriculum, is concentrate on Christ. So that's why I've titled the sermon that today. So if you open up your Bibles, we're going to be going through Galatians 4. Um, and we're going to go through verses 8 through 12. And this is talking about, you know, Paul's calling out the Galatian body of believers, right? And so I know last week was, was Easter Sunday and resurrection. We celebrated the empty tomb, which was great. Woo! Everybody had a good time. Everybody was dressed up, looking nice and like they are today. Um, and we really focus on that empty tomb, right? And we really focus on you know, the, the Sunday before that, which is when Josh last talked about by faith. And that was Galatians 4, verses 1 through 7, right? And so just a quick reminder, that's that proclamation that as believers in Christ who have put their faith and trust in Christ, we are now, what, co-heirs with Christ, right? And so that's important for us to remember. We are no longer under bondage to sin, like verse 6, verse 7 in that same chapter. We are known by God. And so it's important for us to make sure that we, are, we understand that we are no longer a slave because of our freedom in Christ, right? So again, we want to give you that short review, and then we'll read through Galatians 4, verses 8 through 12. So if you follow me in your Bibles... But in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You are observing days, months, seasons, and years. I am fearful for you, for perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. I beg you, brothers and sisters, because, of, because become as I am, for I also have become as you are. So again, you know, we, we hear here that the, the Galatians were following you know, idols and elements of the world. It's, it's described in verse 3 in that same chapter, and they were under bondage to them. They were falling prey to the things of the world and the traditions and the rituals that they had been raised or that they had seen and heard. And even after hearing the gospel and knowing God, they fell prey to those same rituals again, falling unto that same bondage and, and uh, being trapped and enslaved, as Paul uses those words uh, pretty regularly through this chapter, right? Um, and he was actually fearful for them, right? He was fearful because he thought that he had done all this work in sharing the gospel in vain because they were going back to their old ways. Um, and so the main point, one of the, I'll have main points for each of these different sections. We have three sections, two main points for each section for a total of 16 points. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not good at math. It's only six points. Um, but the first main point, we need to make sure that we all understand that it's all about him, not about us. God starts and finishes the process of our salvation and sanctification, not us. So that's your main point of, of number one. God starts, finishes, and, and finishes the process of our salvation and sanctification. 
So you, you'll see some key words in that verse, right? Known by God. Number one, he chose us. Ephesians 1 through 4. So he starts the process. He chose us. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy, to be blameless, in love before him. So even before we ever existed, he chose us. And that's what I love about Ephesians 1. And we'll talk a little bit more about that too. Before we even were thought to anybody or even existed, he chose us. That's number one. Number two, he draws. John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on that last day. So again, God loved us, he chose us, and he draws us, right? And we can't do anything without that. And number three, he loves us and sent salvation. 1 John 9, 9. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. That sounds very similar to John 3, 16, right? If you know that verse, and hopefully everybody can recite that. Um, and then verse 19, it also says, we love because he first loved us. So again, God has started this, chose us, drew us, loved us. And without him or any of that taking place, we can't be who we are, and we can't be co-heirs and join us with Christ. And so it's important for us that, to understand that known by God is that great love that he has for us because he is the great I am. He is Yahweh, right? Um, and the other part of this, too, you see in the same verse is know God. And this is where we, you know, we get tripped up because you know, people have knowledge of God. They think they know God. They claim to be Christians. They may even make a profession of faith. They may even go up front uh, and make a profession of faith at a revival or service. But there's no repentance of sin. There's no evidence of fruit in their life. They're not living out the life that they claim to be. They lack true faith, and they rely on works to feel better about themselves, and it becomes a self-centered prophecy again, or self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because of that lack of faith and trust, they try to do everything by their works instead of by their faith, right? Um, and I can tell you, you know, this is, this is one, and I know there's similar testimonies in this room as well, that all of my life, I, I made a profession of faith when I was eight years old. Matter of fact, me and Kim were in my uh, office yesterday, and I found the Bible that my dad gave me because I made that profession of faith. And it was the fact that I had gone forward and said, you know, I want to follow Jesus. But I never gave him my life. I never made that profession. I, I never truly gave him Lord and reign of my life. So I was living that that. Christian life, you know, so-called Christian life, speaking Christianese better than anyone because pre preacher's kids have switches, I'm telling you. We can turn on that Christ switch and we can act like, you know, you know the, the perfect person, the perfect kid. And then when dad wasn't around or mom wasn't around, you know, it would flip off and, you know, you would hear the vilest cuss words and, you know, sinful things that you ever heard in your life. And that's how I lived my life. But it wasn't until 2009, which is really not that long ago, that I realized that under the burden of grief because of my dad's death that I never dealt with, I had to give my life to Christ at that point. And that's where I was truly broken. That's where I truly knew that God did know me. He did choose me. He drew me. He loved me. And he gave me a way to salvation through Christ. But I'd never given my life to him. And so that was when I realized, you know, this is not about me. And I can't do it on my own. I can't do it by myself. And so that's where I, I was... I knew God, and I knew of God, but I didn't truly give my life to him. And I want to make sure we all understand that, right? Because I think you know, people, even in the Galatian church and even in this church and in other churches around America and the world, you know, we have this profession, we act, and we speak like Christians, but we aren't true followers of Christ. Well, you know, well that's fun and dandy, Andy. You know, what's a true Christian look like? 
Well, they lead Christ-like lives. They, they have fruit that exhibits love and, and fruits of the Spirit, which we'll get into in the next couple of weeks. And they lead others to follow Him, right? And so the focus is on Christ, not on themselves. Um, and, you know, as leaders, and Josh and I were talking about this, you know, you know a couple of weeks ago, too. It's, it's important for us to, to make sure, even as church leaders and as true followers of Christ, um, you know, we don't get hung up on ourselves. Because easily, even though... You know, we, we teach, we preach, we lead others to Christ, we go on mission trips, things like that. We can still lose focus of what, you know, who we are in relation to Christ, right? We can become, well, I did five mission trips, or I led 10 people to Christ, and our revival had 10,000 people, or whatever the case is, right? And once, once again, that focus has moved from Christ back onto ourselves. And so that's, that's, as Christians, what we need to look out for, make sure that we are truly following Christ, we're concentrated on Christ, and all the spotlight, the glory is due him, right? And so we need to make sure that's the case. Um, you know, in, in that same conversation Josh and I were talking about was going back to Ephesians 1, you know, because uh, again, it's one of my favorite chapters, you know, you joke on me later, um, but it is. It's like one of those great chapters. I call it the, you know, recalibration chapter because if I'm ever, you know, puffed up in pride, which, you know, men get prideful, women get prideful, we all get prideful, right? You know, that's my recalibration chapter. I can go back and look and see, this is what God purposed for us as, the good will, as his good will. His desire for us was to become like Christ. He gave us Christ, the way to salvation. That's that whole chapter of Ephesians 1. Not only did he do that, but he sealed us with the Holy Spirit, the promise of our inheritance. And those Greek words all come from action from God, something that only he can do, not we. There's nothing in that chapter that says anything about us doing anything. It was God's love, his purpose, and, and fit fulfillment of Christ. So again, that's one of those chapters I just go back to and recalibrate every now and then. So I encourage you to, to possibly do that too. Um, but make sure that, you know, we don't focus on, you know, the Jesus plus works thing. And, and Kim and I were talking about this yesterday. I think for, for that period of time in my life, I was very works-based up because I knew I hadn't given my life to Christ. Uh, and I was, you know, I, I knew of God and I knew of Christ. And I knew what to do. And I knew I had to show up to Sunday service every Sunday or dad would have a fit you know, because, you know, we were supposed to be in church, right? But I didn't know Christ, and so I made that, that workspace stuff. And I think a lot of us, you know, think about that too, and, and other religions as well, right? I mean, Jesus plus works does not equal salvation. It's by faith alone, by grace alone, and Christ alone, right? You think of the solas, and I know we haven't gone in here, but that's, that's what the solas are, only Christ, only God through grace. Um, and I, I skipped over a few things, but, but that's... That's the, that's the point, right? So we want to make sure that you don't, we don't take away anything from Jesus or from Christ. He is everything that we need for salvation. Because I think people realize, don't realize that as we add works, you're basically saying that, that Jesus is not the Son of God. He, his, his death on the cross that we celebrated last week in that empty tomb was not enough to take away our sins because we have to do all these works things. And I don't think people think through that enough and realize what they're doing Christ is everything, and he's all that we need. Amen? So, you know, in these different sections, we'll have, you know, different talks around uh, just focuses and, and things and, you know, and challenging questions. So my question to you right now is, do you truly know God, and do you put your complete faith and trust in Christ? So main point number two of this section, our focus and our heart's desire should always be on Christ. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says it this way, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, so again, you know, this is a great verse, you know, great part of Hebrews that talks about um, all of the different things that, that Jesus does, running the race, enduring the race. And, and that's something that we don't talk about too a lot is enduring and consistency and, and being steadfast, right? You know, steadfast in our work, you know, in the, in the church, steadfast really in focusing in prayer, focusing in meditating on reading God's word. Uh, but I tell you, you know, the weight of sin is real. Um, and this is what this verse talks about. Let every weight and the sin which ensnares us, you know, lay it aside, get rid of it, right? I, I can, you know, tell you that, you know, in my life, you know, there was a lot of points in my life where, where the sin was so heavy and you could see it in my face, right? You can see and read people's facial expressions. Sometimes they don't have hair and it's easy to read like me. I mean, if, if I'm happy, I'm, you know, you know, making jokes and things like that. If I'm stressed out, I've got a real more stern face, which is mainly probably most of the time, if I'm honest. <laughs> Even though I have a stern face, I'm usually not in a bad mood. But you can see how it brings us down, and that sin or, or you know, that separation from God or even grief, right? I, you know, I talk about my dad a lot because he was such an important part, but I was weighted down, and you could see it physically in my face that that grief was just killing me. Uh, and, and some of you might be in a different point of your life where it's a sin, where it's something that's separating you from God, whether it's alcoholism, drug use, or pornography, or, or different things. Uh, you know, I was you know, at a funeral a couple of months ago, um, and again, I, I love you know, reading people's facial expressions because you can really see the hurt, and you really see the need as Christians for us to, to get involved in others' lives, to, to pray for others. But I was looking around the, the funeral home, uh, and it was, it was in a funeral home, not a church. Uh, the, uh, the, the funeral director was doing a pretty good job. I think he was, a, he was actually a pastor, too. And he was just going through the gospel. And, and you, can, you start critiquing people at, at funerals, I found myself now. Is, is he going to lay the gospel down? Is he going to use this opportunity? Because I knew I was delivered from grief. And so now I look at funerals as a great way of sharing the gospel because you know, we, we are broken at that point, right? Uh, and they need Christ. And I was looking around the room, and I, I saw a family member, and I knew what he's, and he's still dealing with, um, and I could just see his facial expressions as, as the pastor, as the leader was going through the gospel, and his, his face started getting heavy. And then when he mentioned the name of Jesus, he just started bawling. And I'm like, oh, my heart just goes out because I've been through that kind of pain most of us in this room have gone through that type of pain, whether it's sin in our life, whether it's grief, or just you know, you know you're struggling with something and you want to just reach out to him and, and encourage him, which we do, which we did. But he was just at that precipice where he could just give his life to Christ uh, and follow Christ as his Lord and Savior. But you could see it and it's weighing heavily on his face. And I could see others who are just dealing with things around the funeral home. It's like, that should really burden our, our heart for sharing the gospel and praying for others. Amen. So my question, you know, again, you know, is what, what weights or sin in your life is interfering with your concentration on Christ? You know, what do we need to lay aside, as Hebrews tells us, to make sure that we focus and concentrate on Christ? Uh, Galatians 12, so let's go through these uh, verses in this next section. You have not wronged me, you know, that previously I preached the gospel to you because of a weakness of the flesh. You did not despise or reject me through my physical condition was a trial for you. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So then have I become your enemy because I've told you the truth? So again, you know, 
there's a lot in this passage, and, and you know, I love the exaggeration Paul uses here sometimes, but the Galatians love and accepted Paul, even with his sickness. And I know, you know, through the ages and through his different missionary journeys, you know, he had gone through a lot of stuff. I mean, when he is, his vision was restored, the scales came off. So I think physically you could see him limping. You could, you could know that he, was, he had been sick. Um, and, you know, we believe, or you know, the Bible tells us, actually, that he was almost all blind. Uh, so he didn't write a lot of the things, you know, Timothy or others wrote the actual things you know, spoken by Paul. But, you know, and again, through all these infirmities and all these sicknesses, the Galatians still welcomed him, even to the point of hospitality that they thought, he thought that he was being treated like an angel or like Christ himself. And you think about it, back in those days, I mean, if you've ever watched, you know, any of the, the Bible movies or Ten Commandments or anything like that around, like even The Chosen, right? You had leper colonies and you had lepers and, and all these different things. If someone had a physical sickness or, or, you know, infirmity like this, they usually cast them aside, right? But here the Galatians welcomed them. And it, it just shows you that the Holy Spirit really had moved through that, that, that area um, because this was, you know, a follow-up, you know, to his first missionary trip. And that's main point number one for this one, is the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us in our process to become more like Christ. I know that's a long one, so I'll repeat it. The Holy Spirit guides and leads us in our process to become more like Christ. So Acts 13, uh, verses 2 and 3 started off. Uh, this is the first missionary journey. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So again, we see here the first calling of the, of the first missionary journey. The Holy Spirit led and guided Paul and Barnabas on that missionary journey. And not only that one, through all of the others too. And if you go through you know, Acts you know, after that, you know, Acts 13, 14, 15, 16, you see that the Holy Spirit led and guided them. He actually closed doors in northern part of Galatia uh, in that and land which is currently Turkey, or now Turkey, uh, because, you know, that's not where he was leading Paul at that time. And so you have to, you have to think through and, and remember that the Holy Spirit led Paul and Barnabas on all these missionary trips, but he also softened the hearts of the Galatians to welcome Paul, right? So they didn't say, you know, he's sick, he's an outcast, he can hardly see, you know, let's send him away. They welcomed him, right? And that's the Holy Spirit going before him. Um, but then you see the, the contrasting view of that, which is once he started realizing what they were going through and what they were doing, and they had fallen back, you know, into their sin and following these rituals and empty, what he called wasteful traditions, he called them out, right? He said, you know, now I'm your enemy because, you know, I've told you the truth. And you think about this, oh man, nobody likes to get called to the carpet. Nobody likes being called out. And so now he, he's being viewed as their enemy. Um, and I, I, I spent two months, or last month, I spent two weeks rather, if I can speak, uh, in the Philippines um, for my work. And I was treating it like a mission trip. And the reason I say that is because I manage compliance. I'm in the legal department. Um, and we have an initiative, if you will, around integrity. And, and, and we did roadshows on integrity in action. So I literally trapezed around the um, Philippine Islands going through, I think I visited about 18 sites of ours, spoke with you know, thousands of people, and really to focus on integrity, doing the right thing with everything that we say, do, and think, right? Doing the right thing. You know, in our company, it should be foundational. But as Christians, that's just foundational as well, right? Um, and, and so I was doing this roadshow, and I was going around. And if you've never been to the Philippines, I encourage you to do it because it's a great place. The people are very welcoming. 
Uh, they welcomed me much like the Galatians did. I mean, they treated me like I was a celebrity. I probably have never taken so many selfies in my life in that short two-week period that I will probably have the rest of my life, actually. Um, literally, they were taking selfies of me, selfies with the groups and the, that I spoke with and everything. Um, and it was great because I, I felt like I was on a, you know, I was running for office. I'd come in, kiss some babies, shake some hands, say a few words, and then beat it to the next site. But then right when I would get into the heart and the core of my, uh, not message, but my presentation, it was all about what? Sin. You know, because integrity, you know, is called into question when we sin, right? So, you know, it's like, and I've probably broke too many, I probably broke some HR rules because I said a few things, but, you know, what are they going to do? Because I'm the person they come to to complain about stuff like this. So what are they going to come to me to complain about me? So anyway, I was like, yeah, you know, we all have to act and think and, you know, speak with integrity. You know, true for anybody in here as well, right? So, you know, I, I would continue to build that up and make sure they understood how important it was for our clients and our company. And as Christians, I, I, I kid you not, I was thinking in the back of my mind, I just, I, I want to go up to that line of where it's still correct for me to talk about stuff. And so I, I did. I was like, yeah, we, we are all sinful. And I mentioned that a few times. And I, I think I've probably said some other things around the gospel without, uh, you know, uh, saying too much, right? Because, you know, you have to, within companies now in the U.S. and in the Philippines, you have to make sure that you don't go too far. But I, I, I did say, you know, we're all sinful. We all, we all, I think I actually say we all fall short of the glory of God one time, actually. If I, you know, if I, if I think back through it, but I wanted to walk that line because it was important for them to understand the expectation, you know, for us, and you know, and, and you know, I did throw some gospel stuff in there without, you know, going too far. I think, but once you got to it, once I got to a certain point, just like Paul here with the Galatians, I had to call out people actually in the room with me. And the reason I say that is because I would meet with HR before I got to the site and say, look, what are we dealing with here? You know, my group manages all that stuff, and, and I knew what was going on across the company, but what, what specifically is going on in that site? And so I would get up there, and I'd start talking, and they would welcome me just like the Galatians did with Paul and, you know, best friends and, you know, even treating him like he was Christ, right? They treated me so well. When I got to that point, you see the, again, go back to facial expressions. You see their, their face change like that. It's like, well, here's why I'm here. We've had a lot of misconduct, a lot of people falling, you know, prey to sin and doing the, the wrong thing, and that's when their faces just shifted and changed. And you could see either one of three faces. One, that, yeah, he's saying the right thing. We should be acting with integrity. We should be always doing the right thing. Number two, it's, yeah, okay, this guy's kind of weird, but, you know, he's, I, I can see what he's saying. And number three, oh, no, he knows what I'm doing. And they had that, that feeling of conviction, right? And, and they knew. And so that, that's where I was, you know, even after those presentations and stuff, I, I knew the people, because I could see their faces, they felt convicted. They knew that they were going to get caught. And we have, we have caught people after the fact. But then they would come up to me and they would treat me completely different, like the enemy, because what? I was calling them out. And so here again, uh, you know, the Bible gives us proper ways to, you know, correct people, to confront people with Christ-like intentions. And that's what I, th I think I did. Uh, but it was so crazy to see their reactions shift. And this is something that you've probably experienced yourself. If you've ever spoken truth into another believer's life at some point, and hopefully you will in the future, then you'll see that reaction sometimes. It's not a feeling of, oh, well, thank you so much for telling me I messed up. 
You know, it's, it's usually, it's, uh, why do you, you're doing the same thing I'm doing. It, it's, it's, it's usually a very uh, you know, antagonistic response, right? And here, like the Galatians, they were feeling the same way. They, they treated him like the enemy because he called them out, right? Uh, and so this goes to our main point number two. Our love for Christ should empower our love for others, right? And so, you know, we should have, you know, a heart for others. And that includes a heart for sharing the gospel, which is Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And I'm not going to call on anybody to quote those scriptures because we use them a lot. I know you all have it, right? It's the Great Commission. Go forth and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, teach and observe all things as I've taught, right? And then we have number two, which is a heart for discipleship, which is Galatians 6, 1. And there's many other verses in the Bible that talks about this stuff. Um, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. So again, you know, we have this heart for others. We have a heart for evangelism and discipleship, sharing the gospel. Um, but it also, going back to that, that Philippines example, is our love for Christ should compel us to lovingly correct people, not avoid it. Because I know we always want to have you know, good relationships with people, and that does cause tension, right? But because of our love for Christ is reflected in our love for others, that should drive, that should compel us to confront sin, rebuke, and correct others, right? So, and it's, it's important for us to understand that. And again, you know, the Bible lays out several things, and Matthew 18 is a great chapter for church correction, and so, you know, sometimes it's going to that individual and asking for forgiveness if you've wronged them, right? We have to have that heart uh, of others. So, the question here to challenge you is, how are you living out a heart for others through sharing the gospel and discipleship? Are you refraining from correcting or speaking the truth in others' lives because of fear of their reaction? Or are we not disciplining our kids the way that God has called us and lead us to, right? So we need to be like Paul uh, and make sure that we speak truth into the others', others uh, lives, even though that it might be uh, you know, a different reaction than we, what we expect. All right, and then the last section, we'll go into Galatians 17, uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, 17 through 20. They court you eagerly, but not for good. They want to exclude you from me so that you would pursue them. But it's always good to be pursued in a good manner and not just when I'm with you. My children, I am suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. And so again, here... You know, we, we talked a little bit about this, but, you know, in the, in the previous chapters, in the, in the previous weeks, right, the, the Judaizers were the leaders who were coming in here and, and, and making it Jesus plus works, right? They were trying to make sure that the Galatian believers, all these new believers who didn't do any better, really, and were looking up to these guys to come in and say, hey, look, you got to remain in the traditions of the Jewish faith and, and what they had been following before. And so, the Judaizers wanted to, to control them, make them zealous for them, and, and follow them, and what, it all became a power play. And again, that focus was off of Christ again and back onto those Judaizer leaders, right? And so, you know, you hear about Judaizers talked about, you know, in the New Testament because they were a, a pretty popular sect. And they, if you remember in the first missionary journey, they were some of the people who chased Paul and Barnabas out of town, right? You know, Paul and Barnabas always didn't get, you know, welcomed uh, like they did here in Galatia. Um, they were chased out of town and physically beaten quite a bit. Uh, and so that, that was some of these leaders because what? 
They wanted the focus to be on them and not on Christ. They wanted to be in control of all these believers. They wanted to make sure they understood that you know, we were, you know, had all these followers following us uh, because that was the, the big thing of the day. So again, we want to be zealous in good things. We want to be following Christ and zealous for things that glorify and honor Him, right? So we want to make sure that that is for His honor and glory and not for our purpose uh, you know, and making us the center of attention or, or even craving recognition. And that's something I struggle with too. Uh, and it, it's pride, right? Because, you know, I, I like talking about different things at work or different things, you know, at church here. And, you know, that, that's not glorifying God. That's, that's self-glorification, right? And so we want to make sure that, that even as leaders and, and as followers of Christ, that we, we make the focus completely and solely on Jesus. Amen. So the number one section here, or the number one main point for this section is beware of false teachers and false teaching, right? Uh, again, the Judaizers, Jesus plus works. Jesus was not enough is what they said. We have to do all these rituals, circumcision, all these other things, you know, observing the, the days and the seasons and Passover and things like that uh, for salvation. Colossians 2.8 warns us this way, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather on Christ. So if you're going to be taken captive, be taken captive and enslaved for Christ, by Christ, for his honor and glory, not for our own. And that's, again, what the Judaizers were doing. They were causing that division. And if you see in verse you know, 12, they, they exclude you from me, Paul was saying. You know, not only are they telling you all this false prophecy and false teaching stuff, they're dividing you, know, you from me. They're dividing the right from the... Uh, you, know, from, you know, from Paul from being able to, to talk to them. And so that division was what introduced that, that, uh, the faith, or I'm sorry, the, the works plus faith. Um, and so Paul wasn't able to get back in, and that's why he was worried about them. This whole passage that we talk about was uh, Paul's yearning and desire to be with them. And so the Judaizers kept call, causing this division. The focus was on them, not on Christ. Um, and the main point here. Is number two is Paul's desire for was them to pursue good things and godly things and to be like Christ, right? And so the last part of that passage was you know him saying that, hey, it's good to be to pursue in a good manner and not just not that I'm with when I'm with you, right? So I think about you know going back to my early days, you know that switch, right? I, I did good things when Dad was around because I didn't want to get caught, I didn't want to get my butt wore out or anything like that, right? I wanted to you know let him know that I was doing the right things. Um, and I think that's you know, some of the things here Paul is saying, too, is like even I think in, in our church and other churches, too, is like we, we fail to concentrate on Christ throughout the rest of the week. Like we have a great Easter a Resurrection Day service. We're so on fire. We leave here pumped up and ready to roll. And then Monday or even Sunday afternoon, it even rolls around and church or Christ is the last thing on our mind, Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's a reminder through a number of these verses to always concentrate on Christ throughout the week. And we'll talk more about that, uh, you know, in a few minutes. But Paul's desire for them was to really pursue good things, whether he was there or not. Be Christ-like. Uh, again, be steadfast, be consistent, um, enduring, like we read about in Hebrews 12. Those things is, is what makes and, and builds fellowship, especially among believers, right? That's why we have discipleship groups. That's why we have missional community groups. That's why we have Bible, you know, all these things of church events is to live and be and, and grow towards being more like Christ throughout the week, right? And concentrating on Christ, meditating on his word throughout the week. Uh, so it, it, our focus is always on him. 
And again, that's what Paul wanted him to do because he was unsure about that, right? You know, he wasn't able to get back. He was unsure about them, and he wanted to continue to disciple and, and grow them uh, to be more Christ-like. And if you see some of the wording that he uses there, he, he said what? My children, right? Paul had this huge love for them. Not only did he sacrifice his life a lot of times physically, you know, his desire, his heart's desire was to be with them and to protect and continue to grow them because he knew that they were wavering in their faith. Uh, or, or not even saved. So we want to make sure that, that we don't get like that. We always concentrate on Christ. We stay focused from Sunday to Saturday all the way back to service again. Um, Hebrews 10, uh, again, I'm camping out in Hebrews a little bit, but Hebrews 10, verses 23 and 24. So let us hold onto the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. So again, Christ is faithful. God is faithful. He's never changing. He is the great I am. He always has been. He always is, and he always will be, right? And he who is promised is faithful. And again, I love this verse because it, it, can, you know, it says, consider to, uh, one another in order to provoke love and good work. So again, our love for one another should compel and should empower us you know, to speak truth in others' lives, to help them be more Christ-like, to discipleship, to correct them, uh, and then provoke love and good works, right? I think one of the great things I love about this church is, is that we have a lot of servants' hearts in this room and uh, a lot of people who just show up and, you know, even if it's doing nasty, dirty things like cleaning bathrooms or whatever the case is, we show up and we do it. And I love and I encourage you to continue to do that, whether it's, you know, feeding the homeless, going to Puerto Rico mission trips, going to Kenya next year, hint, hint. Um, or, or doing different things within this body of believers, but also to uh, short pump, right? Because God has built and planted this church in this area for a specific reason. And I encourage you to continue to do that and pour out into this community and, and provoke others, especially you know, among you here, uh, love for one another and good works, right? So my question and challenge to you is, how are you pursuing good and godly things? What distractions are holding you back? Um, and I, I, I read this question when I wrote it, and I was like, oh, man. It's like self-convicting, right? I write the stuff that convicts myself the most, I guess. You know, I have been struggling at work because of just, you know, the trip, the travel, and, and all this other stuff. Uh, it's, just a, it's just been a busy season. Um, and I was telling them, you know, I had lunch with Mark Brom, and, and, you know, just going through all the stuff at work. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, maintain a, a, a routine, a, a schedule. Somebody actually told me yesterday that, if you want to create a new habit or a new routine, it takes, I think, 20 or 21 days of continuous, you know, in that pattern to actually get to where your body remembers the process, and it's, a, it's now a set routine, right? So I'm like, man, I'm never going to get to 20 days the way, the, the way I'm at, because I, I usually wake up in the morning, I read my Bible, start work, do emails, plan for the day, and in and and, and all actuality, we actually have coaches now at work who they, they offer to some of us. And he's like, well, why don't you set up a schedule? I was like, okay, I do. And I actually walked him through everything that I should do. And he's like, well, why don't you just do that? I'm like, well, that's the problem. I can't. <laughs> I fall short, right? And so it's like one of those things that you just have to set down and plan, um, you know, things that are holding you back or things that are distracting you, right? So, and, and I'll fail for this. I'm sure others have other things that, that, sh that hold you back or either are distractions, right? Whether it's kids, whether it's social media, whether it's your job, whether it's 
um, things, you know, sports. I mean, you, you name it. I mean, our kids are playing different sports and volleyball and, and different things. And, and some of that could be distractions from taken away from our relationship and our focus and our concentration on Christ, right? So again, we have to be uh, diligent and intentional about spending time and focusing on Christ, right? Um, I, I love, you know, serving uh, in the kids community at the Way Church. And, you know, we're always looking for new volunteers. And you will be also a benefit benefactor or beneficiary or what's the word? You'll benefit from some of these curriculums like I have. So I I kid you not, this is all God's sovereignty in play. Last month after I got back from the Philippines, when I was going through a lot of stuff at work and just all over the place, not anything structured or anything, what do you think the kids section was on that week? It was concentrating on Christ, the, the message title, right? The most important thing that we can do as Christians is concentrate on Christ. And the application for the kids, and now I'm making it for you as well and for myself, was to have a time to follow Jesus chart that you print out, that you create, you put it in Outlook, you put it in Microsoft Planner, Slack, whatever tool that you use at work for productivity and tracking, right? So you have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, all the days of the week, and then you have morning, afternoon, and evening. So just because I skip or I don't make it to Bible study time or reading in the morning, hey, I have the afternoon and the evening to make that up, right? So I encourage you to to do something similar like this to make sure that we remain diligent and concentrate on Christ. I just thought that was so so great for our kids to learn, you know, at at church, you know, how how to schedule and organize their time to concentrate on Christ. And if they pick up that practice that age, man, they're going to be set up for success. Uh, many, of our, many of our kids have already given their life to Christ, right? And so they're at that phase, and, and you might even be a new believer where you need that type of structure. We all need that type of structure. Whether we're new in Christ or we have, you know, we've been following Christ for a while, it's easy for us to get off track. It's easy for us to get distracted because I tell you what, the evil one will use social media, all these other different things of, of distractions to pull us off that focus on Christ, that concentration on Christ, not being able to meditate on his word. And that's something that we need to do and make sure that we uh, concentrate on Christ no matter what, you know, we, we have, what happens in our life, because we know we will fall short, right? We need to recalibrate sometimes and, and use these types of tools and, and uh, different ways of intentionally spending time with Christ, right? And so, uh, again, you know, we will fall short, but we always need to concentrate on Christ. So, again, you know, if, if you're a new believer, you know, I've given you a reference guide. If you're an experienced believer, that reference guide about Christ and those different chapters will help you. Um, if you want me to make you a copy of this, I can make you a copy of this as well. But again, you know, this is something that we want to make sure that we concentrate on Christ. We eliminate those types of distractions. We eliminate the things that are weighing us down, the sin in our lives, right? And so if you've never experienced that you know, point in your life, you will. If you never have given your life to Christ, we encourage you to do that as well because he can deliver you from that grief. He can take away that sin. And it's by putting your faith and trust in him. And so a lot of the things that we talk about, that, the, the facial expressions, right? I, I can even see that in this room this morning. There's things that we're going through, uh, even as believers, that we need to leave at the foot of the cross, right? That, that burden of grief, that sin that we're dealing with. But if you haven't given your life to Christ, we want you to respond in a way that uh, would glorify him and that he desires for you to have, like in Ephesians 1. He desires for us to have that relationship with him, that we would give our full and complete faith and trust in him as Lord and Savior of your life. And so we'll have a time of, of, of prayer. Um, I'll invite the band back up. 
um, as we close, um, because Christ died that lived the perfect life that we cannot live. He never failed. He never slacked off. He was always tried and true. He's our example of perfection. He gave his life on the cross, conquered death on that third day to take away the sins of those who believe in him. It was effective for all, but efficient for only those who accept him as Lord and Savior. So if you're dealing with a, a, a sin in your life or something that's weighing you down and it just feels physically unable for you to, to live and you need to confess your sins or, or give your life to Christ, we'll have a prayer team uh, you know, to the side that will be more than willing to pray with you. Um, or if you want to respond in a different way by you know, calling out to Christ you know, for forgiveness or for repentance or however you want to um, respond, you can do that in your seat as well. Um, but let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank you because you are the author and creator of our faith, Lord. We thank you because you are the great I am. And when we can't, Father, you do. And even when we won't, you will. Father, it's because of your great love for us that we are even here, Father. We exist solely for your purpose to glorify and honor you. So help us, Father, to do that, Lord. Equip us with your Holy Spirit to concentrate more on you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit will draw those um, that need to make that profession of faith, that would put their faith and trust in you, Lord. We thank you and praise you uh, all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.